This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're coming to you here from the virtual joint off the back of two games. The bees have been busy this week. Busy bees, as they say. And it's worked out to be quite a good week so far. Saturday, we got a win. Huddersfield came to New Griffin Park. And the seats must have dazzled them as we actually banged in three goals to none in return. And then Tuesday night, we went up to the <laughs> I'm chuckling. You would have had to see the game to, to understand that one on the I follow the Hawthorns as Brentford played West Brom and they beat them on penalties to get through to the fourth round of the League Cup, which is the first time we've been this far for about 10 years. I think it was since uh, was it the Everton days or something like that. No, no, the Everton Birmingham City days. So we are very, very excited. I'm Billy Grant here, like I said to you, and I'm sitting here in the studio, the virtual joint, my little bar itself with my virtual buddies here. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I don't, I don't quite get the Hawthorne joke, I have to admit. But, um... Don't you remember? you watching the game. We're going to be talking about the game as well because the commentator decided that he was going to go into another level when it comes to announcing the players. Then he went to Nogal. Nogal. And everyone's going, my, my daughter's sitting there going, who's Nogal? And I'm, like, I'm not quite sure. Then he started to say, you know, Forsu, Forsu. And I went to the loo. As I went to the loo and I came out and she was just laughing. She's just crying with laughing. She goes, what? She goes, oh, West Brom play at the Hawthorne. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he didn't say that. He goes, yes, yeah, she did. He went to play at the Hoffman. <laughs> and uh, all day today, I took it to football practice. We were driving in the car. And we were just going, oh, yeah, you know, it's a really good game at the Hoffman last night, wasn't it? <laughs> so like I don't think I'll be able to ever call it anything else. Sounds like someone's <laughs> been taking like, French lessons during lockdown. <laughs> well, okay. Well, to be honest with you, I actually thought it was a joke. You know, I, I reckon between his commentator bodies, he just says, listen, let's see if we can get a little angle on this one. Let's see, you know, how many names that you can go for and just pronounce them completely different to anybody else pronounces them. And he was properly going for it last night, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I did hear, I did hear the uh, Norgar, but I norm, I, I'm normally the one that gets his name wrong anyway. I'm the one that's put an S in the middle of it. So, uh, yeah, so I think everyone's got a bit of a l- <laughs> license with his name. So, just, uh, yeah, just a shame he didn't tell us who Jean-Vierre used to play for. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I could have I could have put him straight on that one actually. So oh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a shame that Janvier's gone away for a year because I can't actually give one of those anymore. Like you know, but anyway, as we're talking, that's the Allard in there as well. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very good. I like your description. That it's been a good week so far after two games. Um, uh, I'm not sure that means we can have another game this week, though, because I guess for you, the week started on Saturday, right? <laughs> it did start on Saturday. Tell you something, when you win two games, the week starts whenever the first win was, as far as I'm concerned. Well, they, they, you don't know when the football season starts and finishes anymore, so when the week starts and finishes, is up in the lap of the gods as well, I think. But it's true. I mean, like anybody else out there, we're just more making it up, aren't we? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But listen, we've got to keep it up because, you know, keep it positive. I mean, there's a few things that's happened which has probably kind of got us a little bit down. You know, you know, talks of sort of lockdown and then shutting down and sort of kind of, you know, easing down and everything like that. But for Brentford, we're actually moving on up. Like I said to you, things are looking well. We've got our first win on the cards in the league. And also we are in the next round of the cup. We are up for the cup. And that West Brom game, that was an interesting one because we we had a little bit of a mix up there going on, didn't we, guys, between um, between teams? I mean, like last match when we played Southampton. It was very much, people thought it was kind of like a, a B-plus side, a B-stroke B-plus side. Norgor was in there in the middle there. But other than that, you know, we had sort of kind of players who were seen as fringe players, but they did very, very well. But this time, we mixed it up a little bit more because we had Mbuemo uh, and Bumo in there as well and, and, and a few other players who were seen as kind of first-team players. And it seemed like, you know, we were actually kind of taking this seriously, trying to give it the right balance to see if we can get a result out there, weren't we? Yeah, well, what, what what we did last night was play the first team players that didn't play last week in the in the League Cup. So it's just it's still about in a way rotation. Plus, then we had the fringe players that played in both games. So it's it's rotating players through, um, and um, you know what, we are looking so much better with all of our squad this season than we have done in any of the previous seasons I can remember. Yeah, I I was very very encouraged by last night's performance in in in, in many respects. We'll get into the nitty gritty. We made some horrendous defensive mistakes, um, but both times we went behind yesterday, it seemed to kind of spur us on, and we we found another gear. And I think um, how, how do you say it? Nor, norga. Nor, when it, norga. Nor, nor, when he came on, um, it, it, it it sort of gave us that extra extra bit of quality in midfield. I think that's where we 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 missed him. Obviously, you know, that's, there's a. We take him out of the team. Is you know he's he's wouldn't quite go world class, but he's 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 a, one of the best players in this league. Um, so um, by adding him, I think I think it gave us an, an extra sort of uh, you know gives us some teeth in the middle. And uh, you you got to say Mark Condes is uh, equaliser the first goal, just an incredible overhead kick, and then. Uh, I don't know whether our penalty actually was or wasn't, but I think the referee took pity on us after giving two go- two penalties against us, decided to give one for us, and uh, kind of was a bit of an ironic that it went to penalties to uh, to decide it. And I and I thought the the penalties were excellent. The Brentford penalties were excellent. Um, although we did watch it, I was watching it with the Allard and uh, the Dutchman, and we were kind of like wondering if. Uh, if uh, Raya was ever going to go the right way, he seems to be going the wrong way or the same way for every penalty. He's, he, the, in, the, the, the two in normal time, he kind of did the same thing, and then uh, all but one of the, uh, the, um, the, the the actual penalty shootout, he seemed to kind of, uh, you know, 
telegraph where he was going to go. So, but he did the right thing. He, he saved the all important one. So we got to thank him for for going through. But you know, our penalties were kind of clinical. So uh, yeah, bodes well, bodes well. If we can iron out those defensive mistakes. But you know, as, as the Allard said, you know, this is a kind of uh, a get fit rotational uh, squad for the for the Carabao Cup. Um, and I, I think it's just valuable game time. I think all of those defenders can only get better, hopefully, by, by getting game time. So, uh, you know, yes, there's there's criticism. Yes, you know, good. Um, and yes, Mads Beck made, made screw-ups. But, you know, um, you know, overall, I thought it was positive. Yeah, I, I it was the rare penalty saves. He didn't look like he was going to get near to any of them. I mean, it was, it was we, I think we did refer to Peter Shilton in the 1990 World Cup semi-final and Ray looked as about as convincing as Shilton did. Um, and, and you sort of came to the conclusion, I don't think he's going to save one. But in the end, of course, he did. He saved, he saved, and, you know, he saved the one that was kind of all important because it meant there wasn't a chance for it to flip again. So, um, you know, uh, fair play to that. And and I just thought it was a, a good team performance. I I don't remember us playing in cup games before. I said the same last week, where we've looked like a team. To me, we've always looked disjointed. We've always looked like there's players a bit unsure of what, what their position is, what they're doing. Um, when I say what they're doing, I mean what you know, playing for the first team, where you know where, where they really fit in and stuff like that. But I, it feels to me like we've sort of found suddenly that we've got seventeen or eighteen players that can all come in and and, and play for the first team. You know, a few frailties at the back, as Dave's alluded to. I think um, I think Mads and um, Good both managed to do what they had a couple of sort of should we call it defensive flaws. Um, you know, essentially, I think misplaced passes. Um, in the in, in the second half that led to the two penalties, um, more so than you know you know the actual bringing down of the players, it was just sort of how, how we ended up in those positions. But you know that they, they have to keep playing. Like I said, I don't think they're that. I think together, you know, playing them together isn't necessarily the the best thing for them. I reckon that both of them playing with either you know with either um, Janssen um, or Pinnock. Is probably um, you know they'll look better than they do playing together would be my guess. And just looking at the match as well, I mean, again, we're not going to go deep into the stats side of it as well, but it was quite even if you look at it on on, on a face level. You know, fifty-one percent possession for West Brom, forty-nine percent for Brentford, and shots-wise, it was thirteen to West Brom, eleven for Brentford. But what was interesting, I thought, is that both West Brom's goals came from penalties. You know, if you're talking about David Raya, who, you know, we haven't talked to him too much. That was his first game back for Brentford as well. And he had a little bit of action. But in effect, you know, his his kind of main task was trying to stop penalties from West Brom. You know, all seven of them that he had against him yesterday. And uh, uh, to be fair, he actually did save one of them. But um, the two goals that they got, like I said to you, was, 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 were from penalties. You know, whereas uh, B's goal, got, they got, we got a goal from open play. Brilliant mark on this goal. And also we got a penalty there as well. I'm just wondering you know just looking at that and also listening if you look at the West Brom fans and seeing the feedback from them the West Brom fans all the fans that I've said to you they said you know the best team won on the day you know I think they're still a little bit rattled by getting absolutely bashed up by Everton uh, at the weekend and they obviously lost their first game as well and they're actually seeing it to be a long season for them and obviously they've just played a team like us who've uh, who they, they were battling for promotion they've won promotion against us but you know, we've gone out and beat them with our not even our first string side. So I think West Brom are looking at it thinking, God, where do we go from here? Um, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, you, you, you guys, I mean, how do you how do you see it with, you know, with the guys Brentford and 
you know, I mean, you talked about a complete performance, but I'm just saying, just in general, from that from that match and, and scoring from open play. We do, I think we learned a fair bit. I mean, I, I you know, I think you're right to say Raya. Um, you know, it was a you know, it, it was a he faced a lot of penalties. He, he did pull off one incredible save in the second half, which um, you know, um, it, it it really kept us in the match at that stage. Um, and I. I, I I think that we're like it's an eighty-five percent good enough team. We are, we do we do lack in one or two areas, and it's quite obvious. There's no point in sort of like it's it's not even it's not even sort of like a mystery. But we we obviously do, and and, and we're being that that team is being chosen. It's not the strong it's not the strongest possible Brentford team, um, and and Thomas Frank knows that, and it's it's an intentional um, decision. Um, you know, so it's we, we're 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 using it to rotate, and we're we're using it to give um, some of the fringe players like ninety minutes. I, f- I think I, we learnt that um, Fosu needs to needs to shoot um, rather than necessarily look for a pass. Sometimes um, I think he was given some um, undue stick for not having a left foot because he, he scored a cracking goal against Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken, with his left foot. Um, so he can, he's, um, you know, we, he, he should have put us a goal up. Um, I think Canos is, is a great first half hour player. Um, he seems to fade a little bit after that, he, and he hit the post. Um, so we, we, we did create some really, really decent chances in, early on in the first half, and we took the game. We weren't overawed, and that's, I think that's the, that's the biggest kind of, um, well, not the biggest, but another really big plus point is that the fringe players can go to these, these sort of big um, stadiums and against these bigger teams, and they don't get overawed. They just literally stick to the game plan, stick to the patterns of play, try and raise their game. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're only, it's, they're, it's, it's only going to bode us well for the rest of the season because, you know, it is going to be a long and a really gruelling season and uh, we're going to need to be able to call upon as many of these players to step up into the first team as and when they, they're needed. Same as Thompson, um, you know, uh, you know, it's important for him to be able to fill in. I thought Rico Henry, uh, he, he had another really impressive match. You know, there are positives all over the place, but there's obviously going to be errors and there obviously, you know, there are going to be deficiencies and we shouldn't really be surprised and we shouldn't really be frustrated, I, I don't think, um, because overall there's enough quality there to, to see off most teams still. So, you know, we, we, can, only, we can only be sort of like happy about that, surely. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Dave. You know, overall, um, we did we did score from open plate, albeit um, it's fortuitous the right word. I mean, it's a it's it, you can't say we carved open an opportunity and Marcondo stopped it home, can you? I mean, you know, he um, he, t- he he took a chance on overhead kick and it goes in. I, I, I'm fa- you know, I always think with overhead kicks is that surely the xG rating must be about 0.1 or something. 0.01. Dave just yawned because I mentioned let's not, XG. Let's not talk about. Let's, let's not, well, maybe we ought to have <laughs> our own sec- section for yeah, it. Well, you know, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. we should. Maybe we should. We'll do that yeah. a little bit later, yeah. maybe. But, but, but I, 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 I said that just to describe, just to describe, you know, the, the, the chance of scoring a goal like that, and then, and then you wonder, you know, it's an incredible piece of skill, isn't it, to, to score from an overhead kick? Um, did he place it? No, obviously not, because he just swung his foot in and it, and it, and it went in. Uh, fair play to Mike Condes though for that. It's the sort of thing he tries. Often stuff like that doesn't come off for him. He gets a lot of grief for it, but that came off properly, and it was it was really good to see. It did make me think, and I said it last night. Um, when was the last time? Can you remember any other Brentford player scoring from an overhead kick? 
and um, I think I put that out on the on a, on a WhatsApp ring, and I got uh, Joker Four. I, I don't I don't remember another one. No, but we 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 tried it a couple of times already. Canos has come off the bar at Birmingham, so maybe it's something along with long throws, maybe <laughs> overhead kicks that seem yeah. to be working their way into our game. It's it's something we've added to our arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> but Mad, a couple of Mads Beck's long throws were they come down with snow on, didn't they? They were really impressive yeah. ones. And on and on the West Brom side as well, you know that I mean they've brought in a few players. Um, you know they obviously bought uh, Grady Diangana has actually bought him. I think it was about eighteen million pounds as well actually. I mean I'm I have to say, I was quite pleased when he missed that penalty as well because the West Brom fans have been hyping him up so much, you know, and sort of eighteen million pounds, whatever he is, and saying he's the best player in the in the league and all this kind of stuff from last season. So, uh, you know, when he stepped up, and I said at the time, I said to my, my little daughter, I said to him, he's going to miss this, he's going to miss this. I love it if he missed it, and bang, he missed it. I was so happy, you know. But also, um, <laughs> Brown, I'm so childish, aren't I? Yep. And Bradislav Ivanovic <laughs> as well. Um, Ivanovic um, or, or Bane as his nickname is as well somebody called him Brana the West Brom people that's not his name his name's Bane his nickname's Bane actually uh, I'll be speaking to my Serbian contacts who actually know him very well and he was going to um, as I say he's going to West Brom and he was very excited about this game getting his first start and he was actually looking for an easy start I think he thought he was going to get he's not going to say that because obviously he's professional but I thought he's going to be eased in quite nicely to this game obviously going from Chelsea going over to Russia St. Petersburg and going to, to West Brom we just got into the into the into the into the Premier League, and uh, I think he's going to be mighty disappointed with his new teammates. You know that he feels they've they've let him down his first game, and they've lost out to the mighty mighty V's. And I can actually talk to my Serbian chums, and I can relay back how very happy all us V's were that we actually got the result there. So which is all good. But listen, any any other points on the West Brom game? Because like I said to you, it's a bit of a weird one as well. Because I mean, the League Cup. We normally have no interest in the week cup, and league cup during pandemic is, is even less interest. And you know, it, you know, you're trying to pull yourself out of it. But I actually um, kind of fl- clicked into this one. At, well, not in the first half because the first half was pretty dire, but the second half clicked into it, and I actually started to really enjoy it. And obviously, by the time it got to the penalty shootout, I was right potty for it, and I just thought, you know, oh, this is this is quite good. Um, you know, this is this is a bit of a this bit bit of an unexpected pleasure. This one. I, I, to be honest, I think, and, I, and you know, I've sort of been been saying it, probably said it similar last week, is that you know, I, I think you have to revisit what you think of this cup. And for me, this cup is about getting that early season sort of momentum going, giving the players, you know, so so it's good to get through. Next week's game possibly comes a week early. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we could do with a week off next week, and it could have been the following week. Then I think it works really nicely. But you know, I'm I'm up for it. I think if you get knocked out of this cup early, you've got a load of players sitting around frustrated, not playing. This way, they get to, they get to play, and and you get to see what the squad's all about. Yeah, I could completely agree with that. And uh, you know, these kind of like um, mini tour, mini sort of fast track tournaments seem to. Uh, be, be, be good good for us you know we, we saw that when we come out of lockdown we played a lot of games very quickly with a lot of focus um, we're doing the same with the uh, the Carabao Cup so uh, you know it's, it's going to be the same kind of a team light which um, so I think people know who's going to be playing next week already I would have thought um, and we've got a game against Fulham um, which is going to be just a bit of a groan fest because you know I, you know after what happened at Wembley um, it's a bit. It's a bit kind of like, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. It's not something to get too excited about. But you know, we it's, we got have got the opportunity to go as far in this tournament as as I ever remember. So uh, you know, we have to, we have to remember that, that in in the the whole history of our club, we've probably only ever been past the fourth round 
twice, three times, four times. You know, it's very, very, very rarely that we've ever done anything decent in this tournament. So, you know, for us to be getting criticised for not taking it seriously at this stage or, or going out at this stage, it's kind of like, well, you know, it, it's serving our purpose and our purpose is all about championship. And talking about Fulham, Fulham, uh, well, they won tonight. They beat Sheffield Wednesday. So, yes, they are, uh, well, we teamed up against them. And it's quite interesting. And again, uh, to be fair, I wasn't fussed about playing Fulham. Didn't really even think about it. But I noticed even about, you know, before the, when the draw was made, beforehand, before we even knew that we were going to beat Southampton, Fulham fans, Fulhamish and them lot, were already getting their excuses in early. And I've, I mean, listen, we don't really care, but I just think it's really interesting because I, I I think this is all part and parcel of them. Yes, they went up and they beat us, but they're now in the Premier League and at the moment now it isn't going too great. So this is kind of coming down to a bit of a focus for them, whereas this is possibly one of the very few matches that they may actually win. So it's almost like it's kind of more important for them than it is for us because obviously our main focus is to actually kind of get out of the championship so that's a real key for us so even if we lost against Fulham even though we obviously we don't want to lose against Fulham it's kind of less for us than it is for them so I think that's really really interesting but anyway listen we're going to crack on because we've got loads of things and what have we got to talk about in this podcast today we're going to talk about the Huddersfield match as well the game that we won at the weekend at New Griffin Park the first game at New Griffin Park that we won there which is all good we're going to talk a little bit about the stats from that we've got uh, the spreadsheet wanker in the house as well the new Will Alsop as well you know and he's come in there and uh, he's taken a little leaf out of the Nottingham Forest fans book and he's labelled himself the spreadsheet wanker and he's going to give us a little bit of statistical information we're going to talk about the season tickets the season tickets for this season they've made a bit of a resolution it looks like and we're going to be finding out you know if we're getting our money back if we're getting an eye follow voucher whether or not we're going to be getting a pack of sweets as part of our, of our season ticket um, package we'll be finding that out in the next day or so also Saman Gorosh has come to Brentford. He's been transferred to Brentford. The Swedish Iranian, well, forward player, striker, um, attacking midfielder, you know, uh, whatever you want to call him. He's now a Super B. And we're going to be talking to Sina, who's going to be giving us the lowdown on Godosh. And then Millwall, Nick from Akaton Millwall, the podcast, is going to be giving us the lowdown on Millwall. So loads to talk about on this. So listen, we're going to have a little break. I'm going to have a little sip of my drink. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Huddersfield. <laughs> So last Saturday, Huddersfield came down to town, came down to Kew to check out New Griffin Park. And after the first half, which was didn't quite get what we should have got properly, the second half was a, was was bursting with goals. Three goals scored, and uh, and the bees were well, you know, were the winners, as I say. You know, I was delighted with that result because, to be quite honest with you, I just didn't want to start. You know, after the Birmingham game. I just didn't want us to be starting off slow and discussing how badly, you know, we've started and we should have done this and XG that and, you know, all these things should have happened. And for me, just to get it out of the way, I thought it was excellent. And I thought the way they stepped up in the second half was very, very good indeed. And uh, the Allard, you were delighted as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was very, very happy. Um, you know, I thought it was a... Um, I thought it was a good performance. I thought the whole, you know, everything about it. Um, that there's talk of games of two halves on the on the on, on the audio um, after the game and stuff. But um, for me, it was a, you know, it was a it was a good overall performance. And um, there was the only thing that, that made it two halves was that there were three goals in one half and none in the other. But in terms of the rest of the performance, I really thought both halves were really really good. And um, it, and to be honest, if you check if you check the, the numbers out and stuff, it they're very they're identical for both halves. 
you know, more than, um, you know, if I, in terms of passing, in terms of goal chances and in terms of, you know, even in terms of, and I'll, I'll say XG again, even though I know we're saying that for the spreadsheet, wanker, but, um, but you know, yeah, that's, so for me, I just thought it was a, a good overall performance and we, but we all we missed was a goal early on, you know? Yeah, I've been, watched it, watched it with a couple of mates and um, it was, it was really, uh all Brentford, as far as I was concerned, pretty not 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 from beginning to end. You know, they they the Huddersfield did have a couple of chances, but they really didn't come and try and win that game. Um, and you know, you, you, if you're a Huddersfield fan, you'd be absolutely gutted that you know your team really didn't compete. And you know, it's uh, as as Matt said, you know, the, the difference with the two halves were the goals came in the second half. Um, I thought Tony obviously should have put us one up, so that was a that's an absolute. Well, you say sitter. I mean, I, I think you'd have to call that a sitter. I think, um, and there were there, there were other chances where you know you, you you back us to win or back us to score most weeks, and uh, we just continued doing the right things. I, I just you know I, I I can't fault that very much. Winning three 0 at home in the first game, you know, I got a bit grumpy last week saying you know it was too early to start talking about slow slow starts and all that, and that that proves I was right. I think you know I said give us give us the give us the first home game at least, um, give us a chance to sort of like you know uh, do our strike our stuff on our own pitch, um, and you know and we did, and it and it and in you know everything we saw on Saturday backs up how our season probably will pan out is we'll continue to do our stuff we'll continue to be better than most it's whether we can you know get the points um away from home sometimes where you know um, teams make it a bit more difficult for us we just need to learn to do that a little bit better and that is by just continuing to create quality chances and and taking them and we we, we will do that we'll do that most weeks okay and as we do you know we speak to fans after the game when we're in the stadium Last season, we used to do it after every game, speak to fans, get their views after the game. But we've still done it again. We're going to be doing it again this season every single week. And we listened to what the fans had to say after the Huddersfield game in the Boozer. And this is what they had to say. I mean, it was... It's, I mean, you know, excuse the pun, but it genuinely was a game of two halves. The first half looked like a really poor pre-season friendly. Um, I mean, Huddersfield was an absolute embarrassment, I think. They came out and they were like... It was like they were happy to take a nil-nil draw. They didn't want to be there. It's an absolute embarrassment. You know, you're professional footballers. You want to be passionate about coming out and playing a match. Um, we had chances. We didn't take them. I think Tony should have, you know, taken a couple of chances. But... Baptiste came on and he changed the game. We should have been making substitutions a lot earlier in the match. But as soon as I think, you know, the last kind of 25 minutes of the game, we came, we just came together. We just gelled as a team. We made those opportunities count. Fantastic goals. And, um, you know, oh, 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 can you feel the force? What a goal. I didn't even think that wasn't even going to go in. Fantastic goal. I mean, it was just brilliant. Really good start to the, you know, to the campaign at the new Griffin Park. I can't help but say it. Um, I think Pinnock and uh, Rico Henry were the main men out there today. I think they uh, got no joy down that side. Pinnock drove forward and controlled everything. Um, I don't think anyone was exceptional, but it was a very sort of low-level game, quite frankly. So I don't think we needed to be, but certainly those two stood out for me. Three not home. You can't really argue that, can you, really? I mean, big bones of the performance, bit of rustiness, uh, particularly sharpness up front. 
Uh, Tony, I said last week, it'll come because, you know, it's been said he hasn't played much at all. His match fitness, his sharpness, not going to be there. So I'm not worried about that. He's getting in the right positions to be on the end of things and he'll start sticking a few away. Don't worry about that. And it's good to have uh, the goal shared around the rest, you know, the, the midfield players, uh, Brian and Josh. And you've got, a, you've got a striker coming off the bench that tucks one away as well. So, a good day, wasn't it, in the bag? Uh, too early, we, we, we started well. We should have had the uh, goals from the chance we had in the first half. But it came. Job done, happy days. The players, new players who come in have got to learn how other players play around them. And it's all about a team, and they don't fit easily because they need understanding. If you've played football, you need to understand how other players around you play and their understanding of how you play. What sort of ball do you want? What will suit the team? It takes a while, a lot, a lot of time. 3 0 is a really great result. Um, I think really pleased to see Brian and Wemo score because I want him to be the talisman this year I want him to step up and, he, and I sort of feel that he needs that confidence he needs people to believe in him to, to be the man and I think he can be um, great to see Joshua Silva score again because he's another one the same as Wemo who a young lad who's got so much talent but I just feel that he needs you know when he gets that belief as to how good he is he's going to be as good as he can be um, so that was really great to see um, for me, it's like, you know, what, what even Tony's scoring. We know, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think he holds the ball up well, his movement's great. He's always in the position. So a bit of a shame when he scored. So he'll be kicking to himself. But on the flip side, Marcus Fawes is, he always seems to be in the right place. He can finish. So there's a lot of positives today. I just feel a bit, a bit naff, though, at the same time. So, you know, this is. Yeah, you have to have a slightly pinch of salt, but we're off the mark. Two good wins on the bounce, and we move on from here. Let's hope this um, intensity continues and we have a top-top season. For me, Pinnock, outstanding. He made a couple of absolutely lovely runs. One of them, you know, pushed the ball forward. He was always looking for the forward ball, which I like as a, as a centre-half. You, you never want to look at a centre-half and think, right, he's going to pass the ball sideways, you know. You always want someone to look, look at the ball going forwards. Him and, and Rico put a shift in. And also, uh, De Silva also put a good shift in as well. And a lo- as I said, a lovely goal. Um, but uh, Brian today, he had a, a good sighter in the first half to have a shot. And it was just unlucky not to get a goal. But in the second half, he got that goal and well-deserved. And he also set the goal up for, uh, for Marcus um, to score, which was uh, really pleasing. For me, I think the bigger story uh, is how nice it is for the club, the fans and the players to get the three points at the new ground. What a start for the new stadium. Uh, I think everybody should be proud of that. Uh, and for me, that means much more than just three points to lay the foundations for the future. So overall, fans were a lot happier than they were after the Birmingham match. Even though there's an argument to, you know, to say that some people say, to be fair, we were actually probably even better against Birmingham. We just actually didn't get our chances put away. We actually were up against a much more organised defence, a much more organised side, a Karanka side. You know, um, Whereas you know, with, with Huddersfield, they kind of seemed to give up the ghost by the second half. It was all over and Brentford were all over them. And technically, they should have scored maybe more goals. 
I, I, all the all the Huddersfield chums that I've spoken to, all of them came back to us afterwards and just said you were by far the better side. You know, you know, great side. You play some great football, and we've got no complaints whatsoever. And I think that you know all Brentford fans would think exactly the same. So it's good that we've got that out of our system. I mean, if anything, I think the the slight fear and the slight worry, but it, you know, we mustn't worry too much. It's early days yet. Obviously, Ivan Tony again was uh, was leading the attack as such and he didn't get the goal that he could have done yes he got himself into great positions he missed an I thought it was an absolute sitter um, which you know which he which he which he was, he was free I mean it was a mistake from the Huddersfield defence came to came to Tony and Tony was him and the goalkeeper and he put it past the post he should have at least got it on target then you know but you know like I said to you at least he got himself in the position but you know you were hoping that you know when you get your striker like that, you know you you want to see him and putting him at the back of the net. But you know when Malpay came first season again, he was uh, he's probably missing worse chances like that in his uh, in his first sort of six months or so. So uh, yeah, it's all going to be a, be a matter of time. But I mean, other than that, you know, it was all hunky dory, though, wasn't it? Sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but it, it, I think the, the you're right to to you know to pinpoint Ivan Tony. You know, he, he is going to be under the microscope. Um, I think if, if he hasn't scored. You know, at least one goal by the end of October. Then we we start to kind of ask questions about, you know, is he getting the right service? Is he is he up to the job? Blah blah blah. But um, you know, I'm I'm, not, I'm certainly going to get right off his back for the for the foreseeable um, for for lots of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons I'm I'm going to get off his back is I think it gives Marcus Force a chance, and the guy takes the opportunity every time he's given it. You give him a chance, he he will score you a goal. Um, he won't do some things, but if you actually put the ball in front of him and 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 the goalkeeper and a goal, uh, he's a natural finisher. Um, and you give him a penalty, he will absolutely take the back of the net out as well. Um, and if the goalkeeper standing in the way, he'll put a hole through the middle of him. He's he is um, a, a ferocious striker of the ball. He's a clinical marksman. Um, what we've got there is a more than capable understudy to Ivan Tony, and really, if you can f- alternate those two and flip them, this could be a massive, massive year for Marcus Forth. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's, um, it's it's great when you've got two centre forwards competing. I mean, we uh, another discussion is when was the last time that was the case? Um, you could sort of make some sort of, you know, some arguments about, I, I guess, about uh, Vibe and Mope. But I, I think this is the first time you've got two out-and-out out number nines competing against each other um, to play for the first team. And, um, you know, and, and in a way, force scoring takes the pressure a little bit off Tony, I think, because it means that there is someone that can come on and, and, and can score. I'm like Dave, I'm, I'm not going to make any sort of, you know, any, anything about Tony yet. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what I think of him even. I, 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 he, he contributes, um, he's got himself into position. And let's give him a month or two before we really start to sort of dig deep into, into you know his 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 abilities. Really, um, I I I'm not worried about him in the least at the moment. There's a, like always, there's all this weird chat and shit goes on on social media. Um, a player can just have one bad 45 minutes and suddenly he's you know he's he's awful and 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 that and then we've seen it so many times and it turns around and you know and then and we love them and then we get miserable when they want to leave when they're good. And um, you know, so I'm I'm sort of like you know let's let's just go with it. And I, th- I think one of the other things about the the Huddersfield game was the first um, the first goal. 
I, I just thought it was that was a pure Brentford goal, wasn't it? You know, it was we played it out from the back down the left hand side. We ended up pulling it back and Silver scores. And um, I got accused of a notification thing on that because I actually, as we were playing the ball out, uh, Lane, do you remember? You, I you, you, said, you went, oh, like, no, you went, oh, here we go. It was, it was something like that. I said, this feels, oh, here we go. I, I, said, I said, this feels like a goal as we were playing it out from our own half. It hadn't crossed the halfway and, line. And then when we, yeah, it hadn't crossed the halfway line. And, when we, and it did feel like a goal because you could see it all opening up. And uh, But then I got accused of a notification in my on my phone or something. Yeah, yeah, ob- obviously. <laughs> no, and, uh, and, and, and cheat, absolutely. Che- yeah, cheat. And, and I mean, to go back to that thing about Ivan Tony briefly is like, we, it's something else we said, and you did remind me, you know, something I said about Morpay back in the day, in the do- and I said, as Brentford fans, we have seen some shit strikers in our time, and we know we are an e- we're expert on shit strikers. That isn't one. And Ivan Tony isn't one either. You know, they are very good football players. They are very good strikers. You know, we just might have to wait for a couple of stars to align before we, we bring out the best in each other. And, you know, it, it will come. You know, it's, 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 it's inevitable. Again, just for, for no other reason apart from we create so many brilliant chances that even I could probably score three or four goals a season in this Brentford team. And that's, that's a fact. <laughs> I think you're pushing it there a bit, Laney. Anyway, but listen, you mean oh, well, you talk about? I didn't say. I, I didn't. I didn't say what end of the pitch, though. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> but listen, but um, you're talking about scoring goals. You're talking about chances. You know, we've thought we just created a nice little feature as well, and it's totally and utterly inspired by our friends at Nottingham Forest, who last season before we played them. They were very unhappy because, you know, a few Brentford fans out there were just throwing a few numbers at them and uh, the Forest fans were obviously getting confused. So they all ganged up against us and started to call us spreadsheet wankers. And uh, the Brentford fans actually thought, actually, we'd be quite like this. And they start thought it was very laugh funny. And so, uh, you know, the spreadsheet wanker thing grew and grew and grew. And we just thought, hold on a second, we need to actually kind of explain. When we're doing our statistical analysis, let's just, just lock it down. We have a little section here. We've got James Olsup the spreadsheet wanker and he's going to tell us exactly what went down XG wise in the Huddersfield game this week I'm going to give a statistical rundown of the Huddersfield game in terms of XG Brentford had 2.37 in comparison to Huddersfield 0.77 in terms of shots Brentford had 23 of which 6 were on target compared to Huddersfield's 10 of which 4 were on target Brentford's best chances were the forced goal in the 86th minute, which had a 52% chance of being scored, the Imbermo shot on 8 minutes, which had a 38% chance, and Tony's shot on 17 minutes at 35%. Huddersfield's best chances were the Hog shot on 45 plus 1, with a 43% chance, and then all the way down to Schindler's shot on 45 plus 1, which had a 7% chance, and Pritchard's shot on 62, with just a 6% chance of being scored. In terms of takeaways from this game, I think that Tony was very unlucky not to score. He had two 30% chances. He's getting in the right areas, and I think goals for him will come soon. B's limited Huddersfield to only one impactful chance all game. That hog shot on 45 plus one with 43% chance of going in. So the defence was strong and consistent, and they only gave up one chance for the second game running. We also forced Huddersfield to play very deep, suggesting that we had a very strong pressing game and that we were winning the battle in midfield. All in all, a very strong performance from the Bees and we limited Huddersfield to almost nothing. 
what a wanker so well, quite simply <laughs> we, were, we were all over them you could put as many numbers on it as you want to i mean we were just we were just all over them and they had one big chance i think it was at the the end of the first half i think it was which was a fairly decent chance but other than that they, they had nothing and it's shown by the numbers there and uh like i said it's good for the spreadsheet wanker to give us the sp on that i mean the allard you interestingly because you heard a few comments from fans were saying oh brentford weren't very good in the first half and that they were sort of slagging them off and you actually believe now that spreadsheet wanker has proven that you were right in your theory that they were actually better than everyone was saying um, I, I think the theory of the, the theory of spreadsheet wanker has he. I mean, he hasn't unfortunately because it would have been nice if he could have broken it down into the two halves. But I, I did a little bit of research myself, and um, and the xG in the first half was almost identical to the second half, which sums which up my was point. How much? Was, how much? I think it was about one. Well, it, it was about one point two. I mean, you have to click on each little bloody goal to not goal each chance to, and then add it up. And I just. I, I, in the end, you know, I lost the will to live. But it was about 1.2 versus 1.2 at the point I lost the will to live. Um, which, but essentially, that does back up the point. You know, it wasn't a game of two halves. It was a good, strong performance. But we did score the goals in the second half. What a wanker. <laughs> we did. What, me? Me? <laughs> so, look, that's given us a really good sort of kind of summary. And it's actually made us feel a lot more positive as we go into the game next week against Millwall, which we're going to come and talk about a little bit later. But tell you what, we've got more things to think about because we have, well, we've got a new stadium that is empty at the moment now, but lots of people have bought season tickets. And there's been a bit of a hoo-ha as to, are we getting money back? Are we not getting money back? Are we getting iFollow vouchers? Are we getting Sky vouchers? What are we getting for our money? And I think it's been resolved. So we're going to talk about that straight after this little twang. So season tickets... We've all, actually, that's not true. We haven't all bought season tickets, but many people have bought season tickets. We sold nearly 10,000 season tickets for this next season. And everyone was hoping it's going to be at New Griffin Park, at Lionel Road. And unfortunately, it's not the club's fault. It's not anybody's fault. We had the pandemic and no one's been able to get in there. So we've got a situation, as you know, where season tickets have been sold. No one's in the stadium. No one knows when we're going to get in the stadium. And people are thinking, OK, so I've spent this money. So what am I getting for my money? And there was a little bit of kind of a cloud as to, to what exactly we are going to be getting for our money. You know, there's rumours saying that, you know, we wouldn't be able to be getting a refund. There's other rumours saying that you're just you're just going to be getting iFollow vouchers for it. There's all sorts of rumours that have been flying around. And to be fair, fair to buyers who have gone in there and they've done a bit of, not even a little bit, a lot of negotiation on behalf of the fans to say, listen, you know, we understand the club's in a bit of a pickle. The fans are in a bit of a pickle. Everyone's in a pickle here, but everyone needs to be sorted out. And now it looks like there is a resolution. You know, we've heard, I say, word on the street, but we've got, you know, word that this resolution is there. It's going to be announced within the next 24 to 48 hours. But by the looks of things, we look like we've seen um, or we've heard what has been resolved. And from my point of view, I'm thinking, considering what was the resolution beforehand, which was not great, this looks a lot better, doesn't it, Laney? Yeah, I, I think fair play to Bias um, and, and I think fair play to the club for coming to the right conclusion. I think that's only right that you give both sides credit. Um, we're in um, you know, uh, unprecedented situations where you know, it is only right for the club to be really concerned about its revenue streams. But, f- but it's only right for fans to say, hold on a minute, we've actually, in the majority of cases for season ticket holders, given the club um, 
you know, those those final games of last season where we weren't allowed in, we we kind of you know we did the right thing, I think, in in, in allowing the club to keep that money um, in exchange for you know um, uh, some I follow parties, which we didn't actually need in the end because pretty much all our games were on Sky. However, I think um, because there was such a black cloud over football and Brentford and that that it was right to just leave money where where it was and we'd already paid it out. The new season and the new seat and the new stadium slightly different. Yeah, and us getting 28 million quid for Ollie Watkins. I think that is is critical to this bigger picture because um, the club have got a windfall uh, and there's a chance we'll get another one. So we aren't we aren't looking down the barrel of a gun in terms of cash flow. I wouldn't have thought it's not it's not where we would want. But for most people in Great Britain, stroke Europe, stroke the world, things aren't looking as well as as, as they would have wanted. So there's a little bit of pain all round. So um, I think it's only fair that fans should expect some of that money back, or for the season tickets to be deferred until next season. I think the, the choices should be there. I mean, different people are in different positions. There's a load of load of Brentford fans who've lost jobs or their jobs um, at the airport are being um, under threat. They don't really know how these latest restrictions are going to affect them. The airlines are just hemorrhaging staff and a lot of airlines are using the opportunity to get rid of unionised staff. It's, it's grim out there. It's grim out there for a lot of Brentford fans. And, you know, you, we have to we have to realise that people need that money and sometimes need that money back. So we shouldn't be punished or feel guilty for expecting all of it if we want it. And we shouldn't be we shouldn't be penalised for for needing that money. And I, and I think, you know, I think it's fair to the club because of this windfall um, are in a unique position where the, I don't think we're looking at kill kill or cure i think i think they they can afford to uh, do the right thing and but and by 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 the by the document i saw today it looks like that's going to happen so i have to say tip your hat to bias because it could have been very different and um you know it's these pressure groups and people with the the right uh the right hearts in the right places that um, make these things happen okay and, and and it looks like i said to you there's a few options that are flying around out there from what we can gather the options are going to be like you could freeze the season ticket which people you know were looking for and you can expect it and you get you know your eye follow match passes and also you get priority access to to, to to games you know which is interesting you know the option too is that you get a bit of a refund as well but you get your seat for the following season as well um and then there's a third option which obviously you know which it's the option that anybody's going to be getting if you're you know, a consumer in this country, you get a full refund. So it kind of looks like it's giving the three options where you know at least you get a benefit if you decide to leave the money in the club because you get priority access for the games even though obviously you know with the government the government have said now from the 3rd of October we thought that we you know might be sitting there with our fingers crossed hoping that we might be picked out for a ballot for the Preston game and uh, that's not ha- that's not going to happen now and they're talking about six months um, of, of these new sort of kind of lockdown kind of sort of kind of you know changes so it looks like it may not be before March before we're actually kind of possibly even allowed into the stadium which is a there's another conversation there as to how you know so many clubs are actually going to do if they're actually not got any fans in the stadium between now and march but let's forget that for now because we're not talking about that so if it's going to be march 
why that's going to be quite interesting is that if we carry on how we hope and believe that we're going to do and the pundits believe that we're going to do um, we might come out of March and we might actually be kind of in a in a in a, in a, in a hopefully in a top six stroke top two position touch wood as you may say so it, it we're going to be quite potty to get back into the stadium at that time. So uh, it's going to be quite a hot ticket, actually, um, especially if it's still reduced capacity at that stage. And uh, everyone's and their dogs are going to be wanting to get back in the stadium at that time. So I think it looks like it's a very a, a decent option there, Laney. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, you know, I just I don't think people should be feeling guilty for, for, for you know, wanting or needing some some of that money back. You know, we did we did what was expected. We paid half of it um you know when we went and saw the you know the tickets on the with the virtual headsets on and then we paid the other the other half of it during lockdown um and and you know we we you know i i needed that money too you know um you know mortgages were going out and you know you know everyone's got everyone had huge question marks over their lives at that stage and to be spending 250 quid or whatever it was in that second installment I could have done without it but so I did but I did the right thing I did you know but on the flip side it's 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 I think it's only right to 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 expect that money back or for for me to have already paid for next season season ticket you know that that they're they're the kind of choices I want. You know, I'm, I'm going to leave the money in, but I don't want to then have to buy buy something more or feel like I'm paying. For, you know, I've got my son's season. My son lives here. He's got a season tickets. So I don't need two iFollow passes. You know, we all watch the games together in in small groups. You know, we've all got iFollow passes. It's like it's like five or four or five iFollow passes per game floating around we don't we don't need them you know so some people do you know you can only you can only speak for yourself what are you gonna what would you what are you gonna do bill what do you think you'll do it's uh again it's difficult because I've, I've actually got sort of between myself i've got the kids you know season tickets i've got friends of friends as well who've got season tickets their first time and again it's different situations obviously for me you know i'm quite happy to 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 to, to defer my season ticket if you know you get the priority and you know you're going to get your place and everything like that one of the the families that i've got you know um you know not going to names are in a probably slightly more difficult situation and, and and finances is probably a little bit more trickier so i have to speak to them to find out actually what they want to do but they might actually find that they actually need the money now and you know that's not that's not my conversation that's a conversation I have to have with that family to say you know what do you want to do with it so you know and then I've got another season ticket which is a you know which may be a a spare which my son may or may not come to as well so what do I do with that one as you know as well because he you know he doesn't come as regularly necessarily as my daughter so I've got loads of loads of juggling going on between between the one obviously myself and my daughter you know we come all the time so we haven't got a problem with that but it's it's kind of all these other other situations and I know there's a lot of other people that you know people I've spoken to they've got season tickets you know between two and three some people have bought season tickets for friends new people have come in who may or may not come I mean there's there's all sorts of stuff that's going on so like I said to you this this pandemic has really sort of kind of rejigged people's focus on kind of what is important for me football is very important so you know I'll, I'll just kind of you know I'll do it you know second nature but there's also a lot of people who football is important but there are other things that are probably sort of higher on their priority list if you are asked to kind of make a decision and I think this is when it's going to be trying to get really interesting but for me also what is key is that it's not about trying to kind of keep 
you know you've got to keep people happy now but for me what you need to do is that you need to keep people really happy for next season when hopefully the pandemic's over and they're going to be in the stadium because what you want to do is that you want to make sure that you keep as many people over as possible so if you've sold 10,000 season tickets you've got all those 10,000 season ticket people who are going to be there next year and spending money in the stadium because that's when you're going to be making the real money because it's now you know what you're doing is that you're doing a bit of a cash flow and I'm not I'm not I'm not putting it down it's very very important but you know the club's got to sort of kind of maintain that but I think what's more important is that you don't get people falling off now going oh god I'm really peed off with this I can't handle this anymore you know this is too difficult for me they peel off and before you know it you know those 10,000 become 8,000 or 7,000 and then you've got 7,000 people next season in the in, in the stadium when you should have really had 10 or 12,000 plus the money that they've got in their pocket you know which should actually be giving money to the club so I think it's important that the club is and I think that obviously they have done because they've made the concessions are thinking that we actually have to build for the future and ensure that the fans will be coming in the future yeah i i, I agree um for me it, there needs to be some flexibility in a solution um with some options and um you know for me my my preferred option has always been that i i personally am happy to defer um my season ticket and um pick it up again next season and then whatever happens this season have that come off that season ticket that was really what i thought right from the beginning that was kind of where my head was so hopefully you know something like that is on the table um but i also agree bill you you've got to not alienate people um because you know the clubs you know why would you want to lose a fan over this that that might be buying a season ticket for the next 10 or 15 years so you need to sort of yeah have some flexible solutions and and it would appear that will be the case i think um i think there will be another discussion if fans are allowed back in the stadium um, and how that is managed and who go, gets in, etc. But I think we, we pause that just for now and we'll come to that, you know, when it does happen. And, you know, let's hope it does happen this season. That's right. So new stadium, new season ticket, new excitement and new players. Because we have signed a new player, Saman Godosh. He's a now a B. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Godosh and how he's going to make a big impact to Brentford over this season. So Brentford have signed Saman Godosh. It's been a year in the making. We were going to sign him last summer and it didn't quite happen. Um, he's an interesting player. If you look at his figures, you look at his stats, you think, hmm, he's all right. But he doesn't seem to score that many goals in France. He, he's played quite a few goals, a couple of seasons out in France, but he's not massively prolific. Um, he, he had a decent time before that in Sweden. I'll tell you something, so we thought, we're going to find out a little bit more about Godosh. I've actually been chatting to a good friend of mine, Sina. He's an Iranian journalist and a football expert. I've been chatting to him for a year. From when we were going to do the deal a year ago, we were chatting away and we thought, you know, we're going to get a feature out. We're going to get some interviews. So this has been going on for quite a while. And finally, got a sign to us. So we've managed to get Sina on the podcast to chat about Godosh and tell us what this player is all about. Hi, my name is Sina Sadzada. I am a freelance journalist for Iranian football um, and I run a Twitter page called at Iran Footy where we cover Iranian football. I've written for publications such as The Times of Malta and also Gold Bazan, which is an online publication. And so I've been following Saman Rudos for a long time. Okay, so Saman Rudos. <laughs> finally happened, finally the transfers come through and oh, just 
Oh, I can't. I can't wait to see him in a Brentford shirt. Speaking of someone who's followed him for a long time, ever since he transitioned from uh, the Swedish national team to the Iranian national team, I I cannot wait to see him playing in England. Can't can't wait to see him playing in the Championship. And yeah, it's, it's a transfer. I think both Brentford fans and also the whole like Iranian football community has been waiting for for a long time. So yeah, really, really excited to see him. Shares, I'm sure uh, many of our listeners and, and you guys are. So, what sort of, what sort of player is he? I know I know like he's he's relatively new for a lot of a lot of Brentford fans because I guess uh, French league isn't something that that we that we that we watch. But yeah, so he he really caught um, my attention when he so he basically he played for Sweden before the Swedish national team. He was born in Sweden, but he's his parents are both Iranian, and so. He basically played a he played a friendly for Sweden. Uh, actually, scored a goal as well in the friendly. And there's a there's a F, there's a FIFA rule where if you play a friendly, uh, it's, it doesn't count as a cap. So you can actually trans so you can actually change allegiance basically to another another national team. So our our, our international uh, national team manager basically uh, got him on board with the with the Iranian national team. And so yeah, that's that's basically how I, I found out about him. And that's how most of the Iranian community found out about him. At that point in time, he was playing for a team called Ossesons, um, managed by Graham Potter, uh, now manages Brighton, of course. And that's where he really shone in my eyes. He was he was absolutely fantastic to watch. He he played in so many different positions. He played so firstly he could play down the middle um, as this sort of CAM role, cam role. Um, that's where he's I think most dangerous. But he's also quite versatile. He can play on the left, he can play on the right. He's quick, he's intelligent with passing. And so, for me, it really seems like a natural sort of Mope replacement. I know Mope left a season ago now. But uh, for me, I do see a lot of similarities between the two players. And and so, yeah, maybe... I think I think he... Obviously, Brentford were talking with him a season ago um, to get him in for a direct replacement for Mope. But... That didn't happen for various reasons that you guys have already talked about. So when he was in Sweden, I think the key sort of matches, the key matches that uh, most people watched and I think were most noteworthy was was a whole European Cup run. Uh, they won the Swedish Domestic Cup with him being a very pivotal role and scoring a lot of goals, creating a lot of assists. And from there, they qualified for the Europa League, which is a, which is a, a brand new tournament for... Ossesons. They haven't played in the Europa League before, and they they did fairly well in the Europa League. Actually, they played against Arsenal, and that was probably the game that caught the international sort of European clubs' attention, especially you know Arsene Wenger when he was when he was watching him. I know he did an interview recently with uh, with Brentford, his first official one, where they talked about this. Arsene Wenger gave him a lot of praise, and and I guess, I guess from there, it kind of like rippled into other European clubs and other sort of. Uh, clubs in England, clubs clubs in Spain, obviously, caused caught attention as well. So, yeah, I think that was a sort of a really cool experience for him, and and so that's what really caught the attention of, of many of the pundits out there. And of course, yeah, he plays plays in the Iranian national team. He's played in. Let me think. I think he's he definitely played in the last World Cup, the 2018 World Cup. He came on as a substitute in all three of the games that we played. So he played against Spain. Portugal and Morocco, and he came on as a substitute in all three of those games. I actually wanted to see more of him. I thought he was actually a player that, that we needed uh, to see more of in those in those games in the World Cup, 
And who knows, like maybe if he played, we would have got a different result from the Spain and Portugal game because like they were very, very close. I don't think people give enough attention to how close those games were. Like drew 1-1 with Portugal, drew 1-1 with Portugal, scored against Spain, but was disallowed on VAR. And then they scored quite a lucky goal, I think. So it could have gone either way. And if, and if you know, someone called us played and he did provide an assist or a goal, that would have really catapulted him to the next stage a lot quicker. And I think like for the for the Iranian community, they absolutely love him. Like people absolutely love him um, because he's he's got a very good attitude. He's he's not like as you know compared to a few other Iranian players like uh, in the past. He doesn't have an attitude at all. He, he gets he gets on with the game. He's always got a smile on his face. He's he's he used to, I think, play do, like do a lot of tricks, do a lot of like stepovers and things, and just like like try to do skills. But now he's very disciplined. He's a very big hard worker, and I think within the past sort of few years, maybe a year or so, last last couple of seasons, he hasn't played as much because of injury, and of course there was a there was a ban. Um, it was really difficult for for people to see because, like you know, seeing his work ethic and seeing how hard he works the team, it's quite difficult to see when a player like that. Is on is on the sidelines. So I think for Brentford, like they're, they're gonna, they, like what you guys should expect is a huge influx of Iranian fans on your on your Instagram to the to the matches as soon as you know the the games can be played. Because you know I I saw the exact same thing when um, Ali Reza Jahanbash went to Brighton. Uh, there was absolutely a huge influx of Iranian fans going to their Instagram accounts and. Uh, going to their games and things. Yeah, so he went to he went to Amiens, he went to France, and uh, obviously he played his club football there for the past uh, season uh, or season or two. And it's I think from my perspective, it was just it was just a wrong sort of signing. It was a bit of a panic move in my eyes because he moved to like a Spanish club, but that that fell through. Like they they just got promoted from from Ligue 2, and they were by far the weakest team in. Um, in in league uh, where they got when when they were there, they got you know absolutely battered by a lot of the teams, which is really bad to see. But yeah, like it just it, it didn't really work out for him because I mean he was he was banned for a lot of the games and obviously when a, when a newly promoted team they're 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 playing they want to play as defensive as possible and they they are quite shy to to um, to attack and so he went from playing under Graham Potter who plays you know fairly attacker football with with a lot of wide wingers you know cutting in and. It's quite fluid football, whereas if you go, when he went to Amiens, they played quite defensively, you know, understandably because they've just been promoted and they're playing against, you know, the likes of Neymar and, and Mbappe. So, obviously, I think that that transition must have been really difficult for him because it's just not the structure that he was used to. Uh, it didn't give him the freedom to sort of attack. And if you, like, if you, saw, if you saw the game that he played against Arsenal with Ossessons, the reason why he was so dangerous is because he get, he was given such a free roaming role and he was able to attack the goal from long distance and pick up the space when he needed to uh, just behind the striker in the false nine position. So that's where he's the most dangerous. And of course, with Amiens, when they're, when they're set up so defensively, that's the reason why it didn't work out for him. Obviously, there was injury as well and there was the obvious ban uh, that hindered his sort of development, you could say. But yeah, I think overall it was just quite of a quite a negative signing for, for everyone really and then then obviously he got some interest from spain and there's even a photo so basically like the story it's a weird story about how uh the move to spain didn't happen so he, he got in he, he was actually 
I think he, I don't know how far the negotiations got, but I think he might have even signed contracts and things. I can't really remember off the top of my head. But yeah, so I think the paperwork was actually signed. And then there's a photo of him like shaking hands with the um, like Spanish team manager. And I obviously reported on it a bit saying that, you know, the this, this signing was about to happen and it was, it was like imminent. But yeah, it all just fell through last minute. Uh, I can't remember why. I can't remember off the top of my head why, but it doesn't surprise me because his agents were very, very dodgy. They were just they were just dodgy characters. I I can't remember um, like who they were, but from sort of a mutual contact I have with with someone called us, like I know that his agents were very dodgy people, and they always kind of came in last minute after the sort of contracts were almost being signed. They'd ask for more money or more more privileges or, or whatever. That's ultimately why the, the deal with Brentford in the first instance, so last year, why that also broke broke away, because it's the same sort of reason. And so he got a ban from, from um, FIFA because of that. And so that's why his second season with Amiens, he had, I think, a three-month ban or something like that, which really, really, you know, was difficult for him because uh, he didn't get to play as much football. Especially, you know, then lockdown happened and, and the whole sort of league, league was was finished and yeah Amiens got relegated ultimately I think the, the final thing I would say on, on someone called us is that um, I know I've, I've read a lot of uh, a lot of comments and a lot of um, yeah, a lot of like reflections from, from Brentford fans saying you know <laughs> why are we signing a league to like league the player um, what I would say is that he's actually a very exciting player to, to watch he's a very exciting player to be a part of the team like he's very energetic and and so I've seen the way Brentford play and I think the structure that, that you guys play I mean yeah I mean, I'm a Saints fan so I saw that you, that you beat us in the in the EFL in the EFL Cup so uh, in the League Cup so I know I know the sort of football that you guys play and I think I think someone called us is really going to fit into it well um, in the number 10 role uh, in the false nine role where I think he's going to thrive you know really heavily uh He's a good free, t- free kick taker. I don't know if that will be utilised as much. Obviously, like there's a lot of uh, sort of arguments on it when it comes to free kicks. But I think, yeah, he's a very good free kick taker. He's also very conf- confident with both feet. Uh, that's something that I haven't seen many Iranian players be amazing at, apart from him and probably Jahan Bash in, in, in Brighton. But, yeah, so I think it gives him a lot of versatility to play on both sides, left wing, right wing. But... If if he's in the middle, that's that's really the most dangerous, I think. So overall, I think it's a really positive signing, and I think that you guys will see a very exciting player um, in your ranks who will sort of he's used to playing in some top teams, obviously in the Europa League, and I think he will adapt very quickly. I'm very excited. I know you guys are very excited, and so I'm really excited to see his first appearance for the team. So interesting, Force Nine, eh? The Allards. Does that make you smile? <laughs> well, we yeah. I mean, I, I to be honest, my question remains: Where does he play? What position does he play in? Because I don't seem to get a straight answer. Um, is he a number ten? Is he a winger? Is he a centre forward? He could be any of those. Um, that might be useful because it means he can fit anywhere into the into that sort of front line. Um, I don't really remember us being that flexible with a player in recent years. I mean, Viva sort of played a bit out on the wing, and he played a bit through the middle up front, and. Uh, we, we don't really play with a number ten, so to talk about that doesn't really make a lot of sense either. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him, to be honest, and we'll, we'll see from there how we think he's going to fit in. 
at the moment. I think he probably, that the position that's up for grabs to me looks like left-handed side, you know, attacking player. That's where my confusion is as well. I, I, I've got no idea where where he his strongest position is as a player. I mean, you know, we spoke last week uh, about our DOFs and they've obviously seen something in him they like. Um, and, you know, listening to the journalist there, you know, it, it does make sense that we saw him as the natural replacement for, for Neil Morpé. So, you know, but that position certainly isn't up for grabs. We've got two players ahead of him there. So it's the Ben Rama role, where, which seems to be the one where, you know, we, 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 we've got, um, you know, a vacancy, as it were. Um, but maybe we've got a different role for it. Maybe we've seen something that we think, well, if we can get hold of him and we can get him to play in this position, um, God only knows. Um, I, I am really excited. It's, I don't know why the excitement. You know, as fans, you always get excited over a new player. I don't necessarily know why I'm getting really excited about him because I don't, I don't, I don't know where where the bloody hell we're going to play him. But so. Um, I, I can only assume, uh, you know, they've, as I said, they've seen something and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the reveal, you know, they're going to take a, they're going to take a bow off of him and we're going to, we're going to play him, I don't know, where, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, no, I reckon, I, I think he, I think he makes his debut against Fulham next week in the cup at right back because we haven't got a, we haven't got no, a place for right back, have we? Is that, is that where he fits I don't, I, I, maybe, I don't see that happening yeah, I mean, interesting as well because um, uh, he's obviously, like I said to you, his Iranian background, he's Swedish, you know, he's Malmo, actually mate of Pontus. So he knows Pontus, he was actually training with Pontus as well. Um, and I think he's training with Pontus in the summer and, and he knows him from uh, from Malmo. And uh, so he he knows him from that as well. But he's also, like I said, Swedish, but also Iranian. And the Iranians are absolutely potty for him. I mean, they love him. You know, he's one of the biggest stars out there. And apparently sort of Brentford put on about 10,000 10, Twitter followers ever since he actually joined us. So it just goes to show you kind of like, you know, how massive he is. He's got about 250,000 Instagram followers or something like that. You know, so he's a, he, he's a big player. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, um, sort of kind of additional rights, you know, as, a, as the big teams like Barcelona and everything like that do, you know, if you've actually got a kind of a, a rights company working with him, I'm sure they'll actually probably do be able to do a lot of lot of business like you know but what we you know like I said to you what I got from Sino is uh, the excitement from the Iranian community that he had joined Brentford and I think that we're going to get again we talk about unfortunately you know fans in the stadium and the first thing Sino said to me goes as soon as he joins I'm coming down I'm going to kind of I'm going to watch him with you I'm going to stand on the you know going to stand beside you and watch him play the game so unfortunately that's not going to happen you know anytime soon but maybe fingers crossed he might be able to come down and watch him in the running to the back end of the season when we're going to be doing the business um, what was also quite interesting is that um, if you speak to, if you listen to him, Godosh talks about the fact that, you know, in Malmo, they're all a little bit braggadocious. They kind of got a sort of sort of slightly arrogant attitude. And that's just the way it goes in Malmo. That's how the way that people are. But also, if you speak to the Iranians, they say that he's actually a really humble and a really nice guy. And he's really spot on and he's actually really focused. Um, the way that he used to play all this sort of kind of flash football before, but now he actually doesn't do the flash things. And he just does the things that, you know, straight on. And, uh, there's a little bit of fear for people because obviously um, with the agents that he had last year, which 
caused the deal not to go through um, and it caused all sorts of problems as it was people believed that this was the player who was part of that whole setup but my belief and my understanding is just listening to Sinner and other people that you know the agents were the people that were just selling him in and he probably didn't know anything different and those are the people that got him his deal beforehand he stuck with him but now he's learned and he's moved on from that he's got a new set of agents and him himself is actually a really nice bloke the interview that he's done on the official site is actually a wicked little interview you get a little idea of what he is and he looks like a good guy so uh, again I think the no dickheads policy that we've got has been well and truly the button has been pushed hasn't it I hope so <laughs> yeah Bill, Bill was that the first was that the first time braggadocious has been used on a bizarre podcast I think it has done actually you know I've been saving that one up for about three years I didn't know when to use it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think um, my only worry about him is that we all know what went on with his signing before. I just hope he's settled. I hope he's allowed to get on and play football. And, um, you know, that there isn't anything else going on in the background around him that, you know, may become a problem. I mean, remember, what is this? This is the loan to buy, isn't it? Um, let's just hope that, that, that sort of he can just focus on playing football. Yeah, we seem to have protected ourselves from, from that. You know, if it turns out to be a nightmare, we've only committed ourselves to, you know, a, 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 the loan period or the, the you know, the, the, the try before you buy a part. So, um, you know, at, at least we, you know, there's a get out there, which probably won't mean that we, we're lumbered with someone for five years. So, you know, you, you just you just hope that it turns out to be one of the uh, the great sort of surprises, uh, you know, another another one. You know, so we weren't expecting greatness from this player, and all of a sudden you've got you've got you've uh, you've got some sort of. Uh footballing genius on your hands that's what I'm hoping fingers crossed so listen footballing geniuses we've got them all over the pitch and hopefully they're going to be all over the pitch tearing Millwall apart on Saturday as we go to the Den or we're not going to go to the Den we were actually going to go down to South East London maybe or maybe not to have a few drinks in South East London and watch a game down there we'll see how that goes that's from the besotted point of view but the players will be in the Den on Saturday playing against Millwall we need to find out what's going down with Millwall because people are talking about them possibly getting into the playoffs they think they're actually going to do decent this season our good buddy Nick from Acton Millwall podcast he's going to give us the lowdown what's going down at the den with Millwall well hello listeners my name is Nick Hart I am the uh, presenter the producer the the, uh, the the driving force behind my podcast which is called Achtung Millwall, as in the Germanic word for attention or warning. Achtung Millwall. Uh, I've been a, a Millwall fan since 1972, so in that time I've seen us hit the uh, some lows, some very, very highs, and sometimes some middling seasons with moments of ecstatic glory mixed in. That's the way of the lion. It's, uh, it's a mixed bag being a Millwall fan. Millwall, of course, um, went into the strange... Project Restart games at the end of last season, back in uh, June, July. Seems a long time ago now, strangely, but uh, we came into it with high hopes. We were on a surge of form under under manager Gary Rowett. Um, I think probably more than any other club, and I'd I'd say this um, with all due respect to all of the other clubs in the division, we missed our home advantage. Um, The Den is still a, a, a unique environment in many ways. And more than any other club, we we miss that energy, that that kind of um, home um, intimidatory factor that uh, that makes us, in our eyes at least, 
such a special club. Not a bad start for Millwall. Unbeaten this season, that's right, uh, with a win and a draw in the league and a couple of wins in the EFL Cup too, if we're counting those. Yeah, it's been a good start to the season. A, a, a draw against Stoke, 0-0 at home. Very physical side, Stoke. Uh, they came to try and boss the game and, as I've said already, in the absence of fans in the den, they were able to do that to a large extent, especially in the first half. We didn't really carve out many chances, one good chance late in the second half, but that will be our, our, our hurdle for the season, is the creation and scoring of chances. I think we'll look defensively solid. We certainly kept Stoke at bay um, under a lot of pressure. And then the same again last weekend up at Rotherham, similar kind of style of club, perhaps um, with a slightly more um, you know, forceful uh, and less uh, skilled approach, perhaps, at Rotherham. But again, it was a bit like bombardment up there. And the defence and goalkeeper, Bart Bielkowski, our player of the season last year, stood firm. And I think that will be our our um, our rock upon which we may or may not build a challenge this year. Uh, the main issue for us to solve is the uh, the attacking side of it, the creation of chances, and certainly then the execution of them in front of goal. And on that subject, I'm hoping that... Our loan signing for the season, Troy Parrott, who's loaned from Spurs, will be fit enough to make a start against Brentford on Saturday. A lot of hope is being invested in Troy. He's only 18. He comes to us with a, a YouTube reputation for you know European-level scoring in various Premier League-style tournaments. So um, he would certainly be a the missing piece in our jigsaw. We always have the old faithful, good old Matt Smith, who was top scorer last season, in actual fact. Um, Matt I like, and I think if you serve Matt up the, the chances and the crossing and the right kind of uh, crosses, he'll get your goals. So um, a lot rests, I think, on the, um, the the younger movement and and footballing brain of Troy Parrott. But we do have Matt Smith too to fall back on if it comes to a, you know, a late 20-minute, last 20-minute, um, up and under style of approach. Gary Rowett showed what he could do last season. Are you happy with him, manager? Yeah, very, very happy. Um, Neil Harris's time, as much as a, he's a club legend as a player and, and to some extent as a manager too, but Neil Harris's time was up with a capital U and a capital P when he left us in um, October 2019, which seems forever ago. It's a year ago now, nearly. Um, since then, Gary Rowett has come in with a... One or two additions to the squads over time since. Uh, we've got the loan of uh, Mason Bennett, or the signing of Mason Bennett now, the loan of Ryan Woods from Stoke, Mason Bennett from Derby, and, as I've said already, the, uh, the highly um, anticipated season-long loan of Troy Parrott from, from Spurs. Um, Rowett's main change to the Millwall style is to take us away slightly from the Neil Harris direct route, which was probably ultimately found out in a 4-0 crushing at, at Fulham last season uh, with a, the humiliating uh, percentage of possession of 85% to Fulham and just 15% for us. That was probably the moment where everyone's um, switch went to, to overload, as the Boomtown Rats once sang. Um, since then, Rowett has introduced a more um, considered style, passing-based perhaps to some degree, um, looking to... Um, work the the channels down the down the flanks. Get get the likes now of Scott Malone, another signing in the summer down the down the left, and Marlon Romeo, presuming he's fit, was a very uh, you know one of our best players on the right. 
Um, with the likes of Jed Wallace and Mason Bennett operating in a slightly freer role on, on the left and right of the, of the centre going forward. So he certainly introduced more subtlety into the middle tactics than perhaps Brentford might have expected traditionally on, on a trip to the Den. Um, as I've said, I started going in 1972, which is what, almost just short of 50 years worth of support for Mill, which is a galling thing to, to say out loud. Um, one thing I've learned over my life following Millwall is you should never expect success. You, you are not there for the glory, uh, the trophy cabinet. I think we have a strong chance. I think if, if we can solve the conundrum of creation of chances and execution of those chances um, in front of goal, then yes, we have every chance to make certainly the top 10 with a shout for a top six place. Given given the financial crisis that is going to afflict the game generally. That's not a, a bad thing to be able to say for a, a Mill supporter. Obviously, much remains to be seen on that front. None of us, uh, Brentford or Mill alike, quite know how that's going to turn out. So we, uh, we, we set sail in hope, as they said, on the, trip to the, uh, the Mayflower trip to the New World. I don't know what that's got to do with it. It just occurred to me. Nothing in the transfer window. I mean, obviously there was the loan signing of Troy Parrott that we've mentioned already. The signatures of um, Ryan Woods uh, on on loan for the season from Stoke and Mason Bennett, two two good players, influential in their different ways. Um, otherwise, nothing going out, which is unusual for the Lions. We haven't actually had to sell anyone. There's no, no, no kind of marquee signings. I get a sense, and I don't know how you see it from your new home in uh, shiny Q. Uh, but I don't get a sense there's that much money flying around and clearly with the COVID, you know, the impact of that, which has um, put the kibosh on all of our, our plans to restart in October, then who knows how much, um, you know, how much money there will be to, to knock about for the remainder of the season. We will see on that front. But those, are the, those ones I've mentioned already are the main names to, to draw your attention to. We are living in the strangest period ever, uh, aren't we? Um, none of us, I think, listening to this show would have been around for the outbreak of the Second World War, but it's about the closest thing that I can think of in terms of um, such a kind of a cataclysmic effect on everyday in life. And as we're speaking on a, a sports football show um, on, on the, uh, the game itself, I, none of us know how it's going to pan out, which is disconcerting to say the least. The government's late, late, late uh, U-turn on... Um, the return of fans uh, to to uh, football grounds from October the first has certainly certainly caused consternation, to say the least, at the Den. I dare say it has at uh, at Brentford. Who knows whether the government has a handle on this? We we are not a political show here, so I'm not going to say any more than um, this has been a very late in the day U-turn. Obviously, ultimately, life and death must. Um, prevail but there's a whole debate about the safety of going to football when every day all of us listening to this show watch people get onto the underground or the bus or the train going into whichever destination from whichever part of London that you're you're listening to there's a lot of questions that are raised and the state of football clearly this is a crisis that runs to the very heart of football the Premier League of course will sail on although I think even reading today's reports uh, even the great behemoth of the Premier League will be feeling the chill if no fans are allowed in over the course of the whole season um, certainly the championship um, we I'm not sure how we can carry on forever like we are at the moment with um, wages going out and you know only I follow 
income coming in. I don't know how your eye follow service is, incidentally, Brentford listeners. Ours is utter, utter pony. Who knows where it's going to lead us to? I've got a dread feeling, um, a dystopian dread feeling that it's leading us to a sealed NFL-style Premier League with a, um, a feeder championship of clubs able to survive the, uh, the, the onslaught and then, you know, a, a, a sea of desolation elsewhere across the game. I hope I'm wrong. I really am hope I'm wrong. But that is where I see it leading at the moment, unless someone can show me some hopeful, um, you know, birds fluttering on the horizon and, and the sun rising over distant uplands. That's where I see it headed at the moment. I think it's almost certain you're going to see Bartosz Bielkowski in goal. Can't imagine he won't be. The ever-present Jake Cooper will be the rock of defence alongside Shane Hutchinson. Sean Hutchinson. Or Shane Hutchinson. Sean Hutchinson, possibly Alex Pierce, possibly Murray Wallace. Those are the, the, the one or the other, I think, in a three-man back line. On the wings, I think you'll see Scott Malone on the left and on the right, I would imagine, Molon Romeo. He did look a little rusty last weekend at, uh, at Rotherham. He is coming back off, a, off an injury, so he may start. I hope he does start. He's a very talented boy. And offers uh, with, with Malone on the left and Romeo on the right, if they're functioning on all cylinders, then that will be a, um, a very strong wing attack. Across the middle, almost certainly you're going to see ex-Brentford player Ryan Woods, uh, who I understand was a player of the season in previous times gone by. Um, he's really coming into his own. When I first saw him, I will be honest, I couldn't see what the fuss was about. Um, but his, his kind of ability to pick the pass from deep positions has really come on strong over the the uh, the, the, the post lockdown period and certainly this this season. I think he'll be alongside Ryan Leonard, who seems to be favoured at the moment over Ben Thompson by um, manager Gary Rowlett. Up front, almost certainly you'll see um, you'll see you'll see Jed Wallace, one of our best players, scorer of a good goal last, last week at Rotherham at the New York Stadium. You'll probably see Mason Bennett, a player that I like, a troubled boy from, from Derby, but with talent um, and an ability to run. And one of these kind of classic players that, that Millwall seem to serve this purpose as a kind of a rehabilitation centre for the lost, the sad and the lonely. And Mason, I think, likes it at Millwall. He's, he's getting along fine and I think he'll start. The main question mark really is who's going to be in the centre of the attack. Will it be Tom Bradshaw, who has been full of running but un, unlucky in front of goal? Un, unlucky in, in, is one way to put it. Um, possibly Matt Smith may start uh, to give us a goal-scoring ability. Matt is not the most mobile, um, but he is a man who knows how to score goals. He may start. Will we see the the, the, the kind of much-anticipated Troy Parrott? I don't know. Um, I think he will certainly be on the bench rather than starting. Millwall v Brentford games tend to be um, entertaining fixtures without, I, I personally feel, without the fire and brimstone that you normally associate with a London derby. I'm just looking at the previous results. We had that heartbreaking loss at uh, Griffin Park last season where we gave up a... A slightly lucky 2-0 lead, in all honesty, to, um, to a good comeback late in the game for, for Brentford. Um, a 1-0 win at home for Mill. They tend to be, it tends to be, in my opinion, um, that we are stronger at home and Brentford are stronger at home in, in the past. But um, you can never bank on it. I'm looking forward to a good game. I'm going to be following it on the iFollow. Um, I expect Brentford to do well this season. Um, 
certainly the, the loss of uh, Ollie Watkins, who's gone to, to Aston Villa, will be a big hole to fill. But Brentford do have a track record of finding players that um, you haven't heard of before and, and turning them into, into stars. So um, it's going to be an interesting season from the, the Bees' perspective. It's going to be a very interesting season from the Lions' perspective. I think we'll be playing two slightly different styles of football, but probably closer to each other, perhaps in that way, than you will have seen in in games gone past. So, um, anticipating a good game, I always let my heart run my head when it comes to score predictions. So, you, I know I'm on a Brentford show. She'll have to forgive me, but I think we'll edge it one nil. Um, big thank you to Billy. All the best wishes to Billy and Besotted. And uh, this is Nick Hart signing off for the Besotted fan preview. So that was Nick from Actung Millwall podcast and uh, a lot of um, confidence in the Millwall camp, actually. Like I said, they had a good back end of the season there with Gary Rowett, who seems to have uh, transformed things down at the den, making them hard to uh, to beat. But also, you know, with a bit of attacking, I say flair, but they're doing the business up front. They still need a little bit more up front, as Nick was saying. But, you know, he's very, very impressed. And he thinks that they're actually going to be, uh, they're actually going to cause a bit of damage this season. Millwall, traditionally, are a team that we don't like going to. But obviously, with no fans in the stadium, and Nick said that as well, no fans in the stadium, it makes it a little bit or less of a fortress than it usually is. And um, the weather's still half decent fingers crossed if it's not raining on Saturday so it's not going to be sort of kind of mud and trenchy and and cold so maybe this Millwall game will be a little bit easier for the bees than it normally is what do you reckon it's going to be easier going there without those little 12 year olds that go standing down by the front by the holding spitting and gesticulating at the players as they go past with their dads urging them on standing behind them is uh yeah i'm gonna miss that i'm gonna miss that i think i I don't think we could have got to more difficult games to go to for a a league away program like karanka's birmingham and then uh, rowett's millwall it's they're 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 two horror shows to to go if you're a brentford team that want to go and play football um yeah it's going to be really really tricky you know they just about just they lost to burnley tonight in the cup but, you know, again, that would have been an attritional game against two teams that, you know, really are about not conceding. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy not to go there, if I'm honest with you. Um, but um, it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. I, I, it's not the game we want, I don't think. It, yeah, it's, it's always tough. And it, I'm, I, to be honest, though, I quite like the idea of getting it over early in the season. I don't really want to play this game, you know, with five games left and us desperately needing to win it. I think, um, you know, it's a game we can get over and done with. Um, if, it, if if things don't go our way on, on Saturday, we can sort of, you know, park it within a within a few weeks and forget about it. I, um, you know, I don't think we've won there since 2014. Thank you, Danny Shooting, for that own goal still. Um, you know, so I think it's... Um, I, I just hope maybe you know without the without the fans and that being in there, then then it's going to be different um, on Saturday. We know what Rowett teams are like. Um, it was a nightmare playing against Neil Harris's team. It's a nightmare playing against Gary Rowett's teams. Uh, if we do do a job on um, Saturday, I think we can start to sort of feel confident about the way this season's going to go because these are the teams that we always struggle to beat. And um, if we get something out of Saturday, then you know you you've you've really got to start thinking, yeah. Millwall's, what are Millwall about? You know, they're very strong at creating chances through individual skill. So they've got some skillful players out there. They're also strong in the air. 
which is uh, where we've been trying, we, well, I say where we strengthened ourselves as well. So that's going to be an interesting duel. Their weaknesses, though, keeping possession of the ball, they're weak. Also defending set pieces, they're weak. And also avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, they're very weak as well. So hopefully if that can happen, you know, on the free kick front, you know, we've got a new, I don't know, have we got a new set piece coach in uh, in places yet? Because, you know, or has Arsenal stolen him as well? Because I know that the last one left about two or three weeks ago. So uh, has Arsenal stolen our new set piece coach? Is he still in place? Um, I don't know. It seems to be a defensive wall in front of uh, decision making at the moment. I don't know. Um, it's unlike us not to have someone in place, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I've not read it. Who did we get yesterday or today? Was it a statistician? Oh, we got a statistician. Does he do? Does he get involved in that? I've, I've, I've no idea either. Maybe, maybe. Is it a spread? We got a we hide our own spreadsheet, won't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe, if maybe you know, we were getting a little bit of we were using um, um, Ted Knuse as, as a consultant on set pieces. Just in the in, in the temporary, I've got no idea. In the idea. interim, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the just, interim, in the yeah, just, interim. Just get the long throws in. Just throw the ball into the box. Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, yeah. to be honest, I mean, those long throws would suggest maybe we have. Get it in the mixer. <laughs> that's right. So look, so I mean, so we got Millwall. Um, like I said to you, Nick's told us what their strengths are. We know what our strengths are as well. We know it's going to be difficult, but the. I'd say the fact that we actually came back twice against West Brom for a start, even though they're probably a slightly different style of football, uh, gives me a little bit of hope and thinking that also this is the type of game where we're not thinking we're going to go out there and win. This is the type of game that we normally lose 1-0. And for us to do better than we do last season, we almost have to just draw and that would be a good enough result for us because, like I said to you, a quarter of our games we lost 1-0 last season. And if we'd just drawn at least one of those, we'd have been promoted. So we just need a draw type situation from a game like this. Laney, what do you reckon? I'm going to ask you for a score prediction and how you think the game's going to pan out. Uh, very, very nervous from my, my own perspective about us going there. Um, Brentford won't go there with any with any fear, really. We just know that you know if we just set about our own game, we, we'll create enough chances. I know it sounds like a bit of a broken record. They, but then the fear is they've got that big Matt Smith, haven't they? Um, he knows how to score against us. They'll they pump it up to him as often as they can. It's a big game for our defence. Pinnock and Janssen, We we're looking to them to uh, you know to be solid. Dalsgaard, he needs to have a game where he makes no mistakes and he's and he's on top of his game. And you have got Rico, um, you know, uh, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get some abuse as well. I think uh, Norgard will get books. Um, and I and I, and I think that um, we need to take two or three of our chances to to get anything to get a win for sure. I think they'll score. Um, I think we need to get at least two goals to get a win out of this. I'm like you, Bill. I'll take a draw now out of that, and then uh, you just get on to the games where we can play our football against teams that will play football. You know, we're coming up against one of our nemesis teams. Um, you know, it's a shame we haven't got Stoke soon as well because that would get them out of the way as well, as Matt said. Just get get everyone, get all the crap out of the way and then just get on with games where we know that we can have a decent game of football and they're the ones we will probably win. School prediction? Uh, one all. The Elod. I'm inclined to go with one all as well. I think, um, I, I think to be honest, we have to have our shoot, uh, shooting boots on. I don't see us getting the chances we've had in the first two games of the season against Millwall. So say that, you know, say we get 60, 70% of those chances instead of 
so, so say we're, we're maybe, at, I'm going to go back to XG, Dave's yawning again, but say say we create, you know, an XG of two or something, I, we, we need to have our shooting boots on and we need to, to, to score in the, in the few chances we're likely to get. So I'm I'm actually going to be boring and go one all as well. And for me, I'm thinking I've, I've dug myself a little bit of a hole here. It was last Saturday I got it spot on. I got three nil. I predicted three nil for the bees against Huddersfield, and I was spot on. So as tradition goes, once that happens, I've got, I've got to go with it again. So I'd say unfortunately, I'm going to have to go. Brentford Millwall nil, Brentford three for this one as well. You know, and it'll be absolutely potty for it. And just you know, Brentford has just got to go for it, just break it all down. And uh, well, that's probably going to be my prediction <laughs> at the end of the season until I get it wrong. Anyway, so uh, anyway, listen, guys, it's, this has been the spotted, this has been the besotted pride of West London podcast. Bespotted. <laughs> Listen, it's good, good chatting to you as well. It's been good catching up about these games, about the striker, about the season tickets, about things. It's all looking up. And big game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. You're going to be in your little place somewhere. I'm going to be in the boozer somewhere, either in Brentford or in southeast London. We're still trying to work out the logistics of that one as well. But wherever it is, we're going to be watching the bees, enjoying ourselves, having a good time. Hopefully, if we will pick up three points, as we can say, come on, come on, bees, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.